So we interrupt this regularly scheduled episode of Elite Heat with breaking news. Roman Reigns, yes, WWE Universal Champion, head of the table, Tribal Chief Roman Reigns, has announced on his Instagram that he's officially parting ways with WWE to pursue a career in Hollywood. Now, where does this leave WWE? That's the big question. What will WWE do without their top cash cow, their top star, Roman Reigns? I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Like, Roman Reigns has single-handedly been carrying SmackDown. Now, what is SmackDown going to be? We got a taste of what it was pre-pand- or in the middle of the pandemic, before Roman returned in August. We got a taste. I guess that's what we're looking at now. Roman's gone. He's going to be a star of Fast 10 with The Rock, his cousin. And yeah, and I also have exclusive footage here of Vince McMahon trying to get The Undertaker to come back to WWE right after Roman announced that he's leaving. Oh, damn it. Oh, damn it. Oh, my God. Uh, who do I call? Who do I call? Mark. Mark. Oh, that's all I call. Oh, my God. The ratings. They're all oh my God. Oh, damn it, pal. Damn it, pal. Mark. Mark. We, we need you. We need you, pal. Damn it, pal. We need you back. Yeah, my, my, my favorite WWE superstar is... Uh, he, he's gone. He's Mark, Mark. You're gonna come back. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Well, Orlando, Florida. We need you now. We need you. Get on a private jet. We need. We need you now. Now, Mark. Now. It's safe to say that panic is setting in within the the brass of WWE. It's Vince McMahon. I have reportedly he's been irate. Uh, he's trying to get the Undertaker back. He's trying to get Brock Lesnar back. John Cena everyone. He's trying to get Hulk Hogan to do appearances. Steve Austin is really stacking the deck here because I mean, the stocks might crash and burn for WWE without Roman Reigns. Yep. And then we get to an episode of Monday Night Raw. So we get The Undertaker before a couple of hours before Raw hobbling into the WWE locker room. He's made it all the way from his ranch and his home. He's made it to Texas or he's made it to the Performance Center or wherever they do, the Thunderdome, whatever. Undertaker's made it. He walks in. He's about to enter the locker room. He knocks down the door. He bashes the door in. And the first thing he sees when he opens the door is Ricochet and Mustafa Ali filming a TikTok where they're both throwing it back. From here, Undertaker turns around, leaves. He walks to Vince McMahon's office. Undertaker proceeds to cuss out Vince McMahon. He's irate. Undertaker's yelling at Vince McMahon, saying he never wants to come back. He's sick of this. He's done. He hates this, you know, what wrestling's become. He's sick of this. Undertaker proceeds to refuse a Hall of Fame induction, Kevin. And Undertaker demands his career footage gets taken off the network. <laughs> he wants nothing to do with WWE's name or brand after seeing Ricochet and Mustafa Ali throwing it back, filming a TikTok in the locker room. From here, Taker turns to the left and he sees Shane McMahon, the boss's son, a 51-year-old man, a millionaire, multi-millionaire, 51-year-old son of Vince, playing Madden against one TJ Wilson or Tyson kid. Undertaker grabs the Xbox controller, Kevin, picks it up, smashes it on the ground, breaks into 15 pieces. And from here, Shane McMahon starts crying. Mark Calloway spits on Vince McMahon and never comes back. (laughs) Yeah, we got a fun one. This is um, a scenario of what WWE would look like if Roman Reigns retired. So it's a little bit of a taste here. Then, yeah, we get a Bret Hart shoot interview 
where he's talking to Sean Oliver. One of those, you know, kayfabe commentary episodes. He gets a big get Bret Hart, legend, Hall of Famer. Bret Hart's talking about how The Undertaker slash Mark Calloway is wrestling's only real man. And that, you know, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Aleister Black, Cesaro, they're all weak men. And, and they just, they play video games. They don't know how to work with their hands. And they wouldn't last a day in the Hart Dungeon. And then Bret Hart calls Roman Reigns a terrible top guy. Then we have Roman filming a video from a trailer. And he's sitting in a makeup chair with some hot chick putting makeup on him. And he's like, uh, you weren't half the wrestler Shawn Michaels was. You couldn't even lace Triple H's boots. And you almost single-handedly were responsible for Vince McMahon's creation being killed and being purchased by WCW. Because, you know, when Bret was the top guy in the mid-90s, WCW was kicking WWE's ass. And, and everyone just freaks out. Twitter explodes. Roman Reigns is a god for putting the evil Bret Hart in its place. Because Bret Hart just tried all their favorites and AJ Styles and Rollins. Uh, it's just, it's great. I mean, Roman Reigns still making his presence felt. Yep, you've got literally Bret Hart saying that Adam Cole needs to be WWE champion to fill the void of Roman Reigns and that they need to push Johnny Gargano as the next guy. And we just get Roman Reigns just laughing at him in a trailer. From here, WWE, Vince McMahon, he panics. He goes and announces a superstar shakeup immediately. Okay, this superstar shakeup. Among the top moves and the top acquisitions to either brand, Drew McIntyre gets moved from Monday Night Raw to Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Then Cesaro gets moved from SmackDown to Raw. Okay, this is a big move. Cesaro is paired up with Reginald. Yes, that's correct. Vince McMahon freaks and pairs Cesaro, a community favorite, with one of Vince's favorites, Reginald. So from here, we get Cesaro challenging Bob Lashley at the WrestleMania Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And we get Cesaro squashing Lashley in a five-minute match. Cesaro squashes him and wins a certain little title. So that's all we get there. Yeah. So yeah, then the, on the SmackDown side, the ratings die. Just like SmackDown on Fox ratings, like at 1.2. You know, we have just segments where, like, Brother Love is making appearances, and we have, like, you know, you've got, like, The Miz getting slimed on by Shane McMahon. Like, just ridiculous segments on SmackDown. Ratings are dying. So we have Adam Pearce the next night after, you know, Roman announces whatever, the next week announces that he's gone. Adam Pearce out there, he hands Drew McIntyre the Universal Championship. Drew McIntyre gets injured in a match, and then Miz and Morrison become co-champions of the universal title so this is where we're at now legit the top the top stars in wrestling are miz randy orton and like that's pretty much it those like the only two guys with any kind of mainstream recognition yeah vince Vince mcmahon he just he freaks out He, he he sees oh my god my big stars are gone and he proceeds to give the title to miz and morrison vince he he thinks okay a year ago we had miz and morrison contend and challenge the title at Backlash. Let's give them a run. Maybe Miz and Morrison will be the saviors to the company. So as a result, after Drew suffers a legitimate serious injury and he gets taken out as well, we get the Miz and John Morrison as co-universal champions. Meanwhile, despite the fact that the top stars in the company are gone, Retribution still can't manage to get any TV time. Okay, Mustafa Ali is cutting, I deserve better promos every week on Talking Smack. It's becoming a running gag how many times this guy cuts these promos. He's complaining week after week on Talking Smack. But but that considered, Kevin, then we get the Miz and Morrison's championship celebration. Uh, Do you want to take this one? 
Yeah, yeah. But, but so what happens here, of course, you know, Miz and Morrison, they get this pyro-filled celebration. We have bald Miz. Lord only knows why Miz is bald. Keep in mind in this timeline, Miz doesn't have a torn ACL and Miz is still going going strong, making appearances every single week, wrestling great matches and cutting the same promo every single week. So he's, he's doing yep. a celebration with Morrison and Miz. John Cena makes his triumphant return to SmackDown. Vince McMahon succeeds in bringing a big-time mainstream superstar back. We get John Cena back. Cena cuts a promo just shredding Miz on the mic. He calls him a joke and a failed reality TV star and mid-card wrestler at best. At best, mid-card wrestler. John Cena just goes off talking about how he was embarrassed when Vince McMahon told him he had to lose to him. At WrestleMania 27, it's, you know, it's, it's a shame that The Miz is the top guy in WWE. And yeah, then Cena implies, <laughs> he implies that Vince rescued him from entrapment in China just to come back, <laughs> just to come back and wrestle The Miz. So yeah, then the next week on SmackDown, we got Cena versus Miz and Morrison in a two-on-one handicap match. One. Go ahead. I take this one. Go ahead, go ahead. So you got Cena versus Miz and Morrison. This they they put this in the middle of the third hour on SmackDown. This is like the first three hour SmackDown on Fox. We get Cena versus the Miz and Morrison in a handicap match. The face of the company for fifteen years, taking on the current reigning co Universal champions. It's a big time match. We get that fifteen minutes of great action featuring Bold Miz punching Cena slowly <laughs> for about ten minutes. Finally, we get AJ Styles music hitting. The crowd goes crazy. Styles walks out carrying a Taiwan flag. This totally distracts Cena. From here, Miz does a roll-up of death on Cena for the one, two, three, okay? Miz, bald Miz, pins Cena off a distraction from AJ Styles carrying and holding a Taiwan flag. Okay, this is unanimously just hated upon. WWE, in the middle of the third hour on this SmackDown, they cut the feed. They just, Kevin Dunn just ends the show right there. AJ Styles goes off script, pulls a Taiwan flag out, and Twitter goes crazy. God, I mean, talking about mainstream media coverage, WWE would be all over CNN if AJ Styles is out a Taiwan flag. God. So yeah, then we get the next week, we get Becky Lynch returns. She makes a triumphant return. She has Seth Rollins as her manager. He's wearing the old man's man t-shirt. You know, get that classic shirt is back. Um... And his gimmick now is that Rollins just goes around leaking Becky's D, um, opponent's DMs on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. Rollins leaks exclusive DMs where Morrison, <laughs> John Morrison's texting Maurice about the birth of their child and Miz finds out. Because, you know, Becky, instead of returning and going after WWE title or the women's title, she embraces being called the man and she goes after the Universal Championship. So she's now feuding with the Miz and John Morrison and... Seth Rollins reveals to us the next plot for Miz and Mrs. Season 4, which is John Morris getting Maurice pregnant. So take that, Mike. Yep, it's a, it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big shocking storyline. They announced Miz and Mrs. Season 4. This premieres around September of 2021. This whole plot of uh, John Morrison and Maurice having the child after Miz had the vasectomy it becomes a massive deal. This is groundbreaking the, the two main event stars in the company are on this big Miz and Mrs. storyline. Like, this is groundbreaking. So Yeah, we, get, we, get, we as, get trailers yeah. for Miz and Mrs. While, I, while I'm sitting there trying to watch Temptation Island on a Tuesday night, I get a trailer for Miz and Mrs. And, and it's like the Miz being like, oh, well, Maurice, you know, my, my little mics, they haven't worked since I got the vasectomy. How could you be pregnant? 
and Maurice is like, oh, I was crying, all oh, the marriage fell apart, you don't love me anymore, and I have to sit through these commercials. Yeah, I have to yeah, watch yeah, a 41-year-old yeah, reality TV star point to his testicles and refer to them as little mics. <laughs> and yeah, you see in that commercial, you see George Mazanin fishing with Dolph Ziggler, and they're like on top of each other, it's just awful. So that's the commercials for Miz and Mrs. Then we transition to SummerSlam. So as a result of Roman's departure, Vince McMahon is still panicking. He needs any stars he can get. As a result, we get one WWE executive pitching to Vince McMahon, you should bring in Cardi B. Vince McMahon, despite not knowing who Cardi B is, throws a bag at Cardi B. Vince McMahon throws the Saudi money at Cardi B. Uh, Reportedly, Cardi B is making $15 million for this one SummerSlam appearance as the host. Okay, a SummerSlam, Cardi B performs the WAP. From here, we get Sean Ross Sapp demanding, and the whole wrestling journalist space, demanding that Vince McMahon apologizes immediately for outright just sexism and misogyny. Then, later on, we get Cardi B doing a promo segment. Do you want to take this one? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she calls out Lacey Evans from their, their Twitter beef. And we get, you know, Lacey Evans comes out. Keep in mind, Lacey Evans is like eight to nine months pregnant at this time. Lacey Evans comes out with her baby daddy, Ric Flair. You got Ric Flair and Lacey Evans staying in there. Ric Flair is like checking on her like, are you okay? Rubbing her stomach. And he's like, "Whoo, I'm the man. You know, then (laughs) you got Cardi B just screaming. She uses the N-word multiple times. And then like like, after she says the N-word, we cut to Vince immediately in Gorilla. Vince is screaming at his 50... No, who thought this would be a good idea? Oh my god. Cut the feed. Oh my god. Ah. Like... <laughs> yeah, Vince is screaming at his 51-year-old son, Shane McMahon. Because, you know, Shane was trying to be hip and pitch Cardi B coming in and he's screaming, oh, it's like, damn it. Oh, why did you pitch me to bring in this this lady? Ah. You know, then, then yeah, Peacock uh, gets the old Chris Benoit treatment. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, SummerSlam gets the old Chris Benoit treatment from Peacock. You can't find any record of this SummerSlam. Any posting of this footage on social media or YouTube will get removed. Get your account struck. It's just, you know, it's just, it's bad. Like, you just, you can't even, like, if you even think about sharing anything from SummerSlam 2021, it's just, it's not going to be a good look for you. Yeah, and then from here, we get WrestleMania SummerSlam 2021 closing with Becky Lynch squashing The Miz and John Morrison. This is all because of this friction and beef because Miz finds out that Maurice is going to be pregnant, and this, this sets the scene for season four of Miz and Mrs. So yeah, Becky Lynch wins the Universal Championship, becomes the first ever female Universal Champion. You, the show closes, Stephanie McMahon's on the ramp clapping. She's like crying. You've got commentary all standing up. They're clapping. You've got Jimmy Smith on commentary just screaming. It's this big cataclysmic world-shifting event. Seth Rollins is literally like, you know, like on his hands and knees performing prayer and like bowing to Becky Lynch as she's like raising the titles and this big emotional moment. Then the Raw after SummerSlam, we get Mick Foley appearing on Miz TV. Once again, Vince McMahon is panicking the fact that Reigns left. He needs names. So he gets Mick Foley on Miz TV and we get a battered and broken, bald Miz, Kevin. Miz, a battered, broken, bald Miz is emotional following SummerSlam, okay? Miz, he finds out what's happened with John Morrison and the Maurice situation. Then Mick Foley is praising Becky Lynch. Okay, Kevin, take it from here. Yeah, yeah. Mick Foley starts calling Becky the greatest superstar of all time, saying that she's like a million times better than Stone Cold and John Cena and Hulk Hogan. 
Like uh, Becky Lynch, if WWE keeps pushing Becky Lynch, WWE's gonna have another boom period. They're gonna reach the same heights as the Attitude Era, and then Becky Lynch comes out and Miz and Morrison run away as soon as Becky like walks like up the stage. Miz and Morrison just they they just tremble in fear. They get out of there. You know, Becky comes in the ring. She's like acting all friendly, hugging Mick. Mick is like, "Oh, congratulations on your title." Blah blah blah. And then it then it gets kind of weird when Becky picks up a microphone. And Becky starts inserting yeah. her dominance. She like does they they do like a dominatrix segment where they basically recreate the old Trish and Vince segment where Vince makes Trish bark like a dog. And Becky Lynch is like, "Yeah, this one's for all the women out there that that have ever felt like less of a human being, and, and we're gonna get one back on the men." So Becky tells Mick to start barking like a dog, and get on his knees. <laughs> God, I mean, you got like. You know, you've got like SJWs on social media be like, yeah, this is this is what this is what we need. We'll take one for the women and men take that. This is what it feels like. Blah, blah, blah. It's like this segment. This segment goes viral. I've got like non wrestling fan friends sending me this segment. Be like, what? what is this? What is this, bro? You got you got like Mick Foley, a hardcore legend, dude that lost all his teeth because he got choke slammed by Undertaker, had like two different concussions in one night. Is sitting there barking like a dog for Becky Lynch. Yeah, this goes viral on like Vox, and this is like all over like every woke SJW like account. And oh my god, this is like the most mainstream wrestling segment pretty much ever. Becky Lynch goes absolutely viral for this segment. Mick Foley is publicly shamed. Mick Foley deletes Twitter yes. over and over again. His reputation never recovers from this. This is just this is one of those segments which on the dark side of Mick Foley bona fide heat YouTube video in three years' time. This is the core segment that's talked about. Like, my God, this thing is just insane. So after that, that infamous segment which Kevin gets sent and I get sent on my like by real life friends on Instagram. After that segment, we get Becky Lynch in weeks coming announcing her intent to go after Bianca Belair and take the SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky Lynch is cutting belt collector promos and constantly referencing Kenny Omega. This creates TWRP making more inside job videos. We get inside job trending on Twitter. We get people saying that the elite's the best stable in wrestling history and freaking out. All of this happens as a result of Becky Lynch referencing Omega and the belt collector gimmick in some promos. So from here, Kevin, we get Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair for the Universal Championship announced for Survivor Series. Yeah, we get, you know, title for title. Becky takes the, the women's title. She comes out after Survivor Series and she calls she calls Kenny Omega out by name. She says, Kenny Omega, I'm the real belt collector. And then like, you know, she teases everyone, like, oh what you know, let's see who the real who the real face of wrestling is. Becky versus Omega, let's do it. And people actually think this match is gonna happen. You know, you have like all these people like, Oh my god, it, like you said, it, it's it's an inside job. Oh my God, we're gonna get WWE versus AEW, and it's just like just Becky Lynch flexing, you know. Like, yeah, and then, then in the build, because they, they they tease that this match is gonna happen on Christmas Day, and during the build, we get Becky Lynch showing exclusive video footage from Japan where Kenny Omega had a match with another man. They're both in their underwear, and there was some highly inappropriate things take place. Becky's showing the footage of this. We get Becky Lynch revealing footage of Omega with a blob doll. Becky revealing footage of Omega reading books to four-year-olds. Like, all this stuff gets revealed. Kenny Omega's made to seem like Satan in this storyline, and he's not there to defend himself. <laughs> That's too good. Oh, my God. Do you want to take over uh, Brock Lesnar's return? 
Yeah, a, a, yeah, sure will. So let's just shift gears back to SummerSlam, uh, WrestleMania SummerSlam 2021 for a moment. So Brock Lesnar makes his much anticipated return. Okay, Lesnar, he's standing in the ring by himself. He's, you know, he, he grabs the mic and says, I, I want to fight somebody. Everyone's, the Lashley's name's being chanted. And then WWE, Vince McMahon proceeds to send out the wrong black guy. He sends out R-Truth instead. And we get Vince McMahon literally shoving R-Truth out there. R-Truth cuts shoot, like literally cuts a shoot promo on some random cow on Brock Lesnar's ranch. Lesnar's looking at him like, why are you cutting a three-minute promo on one of my farm animals? Like, what are you doing, Truth? And from here, we get a match made for SummerSlam between R-Truth and Brock Lesnar. Okay, it's a match that many have waited for for a long time. This is a big-time match. Then, during the match, we get a ninja. Okay, do you remember the ninjas from the 24-7 title thing a year ago? The ninjas are back. One ninja takes their mask off, and this ninja is a bit chubby around the edges, and it's revealed to be Brother Love. Then Brother Love says, Daddy Brock, I love you! From here, we get JD from NY in his SummerSlam review going off. And I don't just mean a regular JD rant. I mean, he has genuinely has cardiac arrest mid-Raw review, Kevin. This guy, he's screaming so loudly that he near enough nearly dies on stream. This becomes the most clipped moment in IWC history. This goes everywhere. You've got literally tabloids reporting, WWE angle kills fan. You get like, the clip of JD like having cardiac arrest on stream. We see like this moment, it's more mainstream. It's more shocking. It's more disgusting. I mean, Sean's View Entertainment showed his ZZ on camera. This thing is just, Kevin, this clip goes everywhere. Yeah, I mean, we get, like, BuzzFeed and Vice articles where they're writing about how WWE should be ashamed of themselves for putting out a product that's so toxic that it caused a fan to have cardiac arrest. It's just, you know, you get, like, you get the people, like, like interviewing Sami Zayn Ali for, for news articles, and Sami Zayn is just questioning why he's still employed by the company. It's just disgusting. They can't believe the WWE just put out such a product that just that influences people so much. Yada yada. WWE takes more heat. And then speaking yeah, you of get, heat, you get legit, you get legit like Nancy Grace interview with Chris Jericho about like what what wrestling does to people. And Jericho is like crying in the interview. He, he's like fifty four. Like they get a meme of like crying Jericho. It becomes the most topical trend of twenty twenty one. You see Jericho literally sobbing in some interview as he's being interrogated on what you know why wrestling kills people. And Jericho's sobbing. You see Kevin Nash in an interview, like saying that in, back in his day, he would just beat the guy up backstage. And yeah, it, it, this goes everywhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, of course, at, at SummerSlam, Vince McMahon is big on giving us dream matches with these WWE superstars. And, you know, one match that people want is Edge versus Seth Rollins. So Vince McMahon, like the great promoter that he is, he gives it to his fans, pal. But there's a caveat. We get a ridiculous storyline. Because, you know, WWE, they have to make up for ratings. Like, Edge and Rollins cutting promos where Edge is like, oh, you tried to break my neck, eh? Seven years ago, and Rollins be like, I, I was the future back then. I did what I had to do. That That's not going to sell tickets. So right. we have, you know, we have this segment where Seth Rollins is exposing Edge's DMs with Instagram models. And then, like, immediately after this segment, it's like you, you see, you know, Beth Phoenix just tweets out a broken heart. The next week on NXT, Nigel McGuinness is asking Beth Phoenix about this. Like, is that true? Is Seth Rollins' DMs real? And she's, like, crying as she walks off the commentary booth. And, you know, you got Adam Cole, like, yelling at her and all this. Adam Cole's, like, (laughs) 
articles cutting these promos on on Beth Phoenix embarrassing her, and the IWC is jerking off to it, being like, "Oh my God, Adam is the best heel in the company!" Oh my God! Uh, and then you know, you want to take it from here with with Edge. Yeah, so legit, like on that NXT segment where you got Adam Cole in the middle of a promo, leaving the ring, going to the commentary table, and literally cutting a shoot promo on, on Beth Phoenix losing like custody of the kids, pretty much. We literally get Beth Phoenix. She you know leaves commentary crying. She goes hu- and goes and hugs the kids in the front row. It's a super emotional storyline. Then that SmackDown a week later, SmackDown opens with Seth Rollins coming out. Seth Rollins. <laughs> We, the first thing we see on SmackDown is Seth Rollins in the middle of the ring <laughs> holding a baby, and he's you know you got, he's got like um, Edge's kids there, and you have Michael Cole going, "Oh my, this is very personal, very personal." And Rollins cuts a promo on Edge's fake baby, and it's this just cataclysmic storyline. The match culminates at SummerSlam. Edge and Seth Rollins, this big time dream match. Okay, but WWE they couldn't just have Edge and Rollins have a regular match. This match. You've got one of Edge's kids as the referee, one as a timekeeper, you've got Jesus one as an outside Christ. enforcer. Okay, this thing, you got Ed, like during the match, Edge will spear Seth Rollins, and then Edge's like four year old kid will look all conflicted and, as to whether, whether they make the pinfall or not. And you've got Twitter going crazy about WB using child actors and how this is so evil and <laughs> WB should be banned for this. But then you've got the you know, anti-AW crowd saying, well, AW are exploiting Brody Lee Jr. So when WWE use kids, they're evil, but AW's fine. It becomes this negative toxicity on Twitter. Eventually, <laughs> we have Seth Rollins beating Edge. This big upset. Seth Rollins, uh, based on you know using Edge's kids against him, Seth Rollins beats Edge in a big-time match. Yeah, then we get a shoot interview with Ricochet like five years into the future where Ricochet's talking about how, like, how Edge's kids are really Seth Rollins is really their favorite wrestler, and like that was a real moment when Edge's kids were conflicted about about Seth Rollins because they love him so much. Just yeah, like, we get this, we get legit this story on on the Ricochet in, um, shoot interview with Sean Oliver in five years. We was talking about how in the locker room, like Edge walked in with his family one day, and his kids ran away from Edge and just went and hugged Seth Rollins, and how it was this cataclysmic moment. And then literally three days later, in a Twitter video, Edge is like. Yo, um, in a Canadian accent, which I can't even do. Yo, Ricochet, it's you know steep of you to talk. All you did in the locker room for three years was throw it back on TikTok. So you should shut your mouth, mate. And then that's legit the, the interaction. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then, then we get uh into the mid card on SmackDown. Guess what? Biggie and Apollo Crews are still feuding. Wow, it's been like nine months now. So you have Commander of Z's. He injures Biggie because like like his mentor Apollo. He drops the steel the steel steps on Biggie's calf, which then causes Biggie to suffer a severe neck injury. <laughs> so then we get Biggie in the hospital, and we get these segments where like Apollo Crews and Commander Z's they go to visit Biggie in the hospital. We see Biggie like laid up watching like Daniel Bryan matches, trying to become a better in ring worker. And and Apollo Crews walks in. He's like he's like he's he's this big Nigerian baller now. He's got all this money and gold. He's like paying. He's like tipping the nurses and the security officers at the hospital. He walks in with this, like, with security, and, and he starts reading bedtime stories to, to Big E. He's, like, trolling him. Big E's, like, mad. Apollo Crews is reading these stories that his grandpa used to read to him, and, and people are still freaking out about the cheesy Nigerian accent. It's just so bad. Then, then we get... Yeah, you, get Dave Meltzer, you get Dave Meltzer calling this the most racist gimmick in the history of wrestling. 
and just every Wrestling Observer radio, you get just him just hating on this. There's meanwhile on SmackDown, we get Apollo Crews reading stories about Nigerian tribes and the war in Nigeria in whichever decade. Like, this becomes this big deal. Then, after two weeks of this, Big E, he's finally out of hospital. We get this, like, um, one-on-one sit-down interview with Michael Cole and Big E. You've got Michael Cole, like, full meatloaf mode. He's, like, all choked up talking to Big E. Big E, he's got a big neck brace on. Like, Michael Cole's asking a question, like, uh, Big E, will you, will, you, uh, will you ever be the same? And then Big E's like, he's like sobbing. He's in the neck brace. He's crying. Then we see, see a window smash and Commander of Z's busts through the window. This seven foot tall, 335 pound man gets like breaks into Big E's house and just bat- beats him up, breaks Big E's leg. Okay, so Big E, he's just getting like the ambulance and the gurney comes into Big E's house and then, then, <laughs> then load Big E onto this gurney and then they stretcher him out again. So. Yeah, Cruz and Big E will never stop feuding. Facts. Yeah, now Big E's injured again. So then, yeah, Cruz, Apollo Cruz begins a new faction. It's called the Comrades. He's got Shane Thorne and Ricochet and Commander Aziz as his cronies. Shane Thorne and Ricochet, they, they both do their own fake Nigerian accents, and they have great work rate matches there, John. So that, you yep. know. Twitter, Twitter goes crazy. They hear Shane Thorne, this bogan Australian man, doing a, a Nigerian tribal accent. Shane Thorne gets totally cancelled. Black Twitter goes after Shane Thorne. It's just an absolute, it's a train wreck just from top to bottom. Oh my God. Yeah, then in the tag team division, we have, we have the Dirty Dogs versus the Usos. They're in, a, they're in a feud that goes from SummerSlam all the way to WrestleMania 38. They're literally just feuding so much. We got like all these segments. You've got Dolph Ziggler cutting I Deserve Better promos on Talking Smack. You know, you got the Usos, like, screaming at Bobby Roode, saying that Bobby Roode's just a TNA jobber. And, and they, yeah, they... But, then, but then, Kevin, something happens, which it, it, it shapes wrestling in 2021 as we know it, okay? Dolph Ziggler, he comes out in a segment in about September. Okay, Ziggler is trying to mock the Usos. He pretends he's Samoan in this segment. Okay, Ziggler's got tribal tattoos. He tries rapping. We get a, a backstage segment where Ziggler's all dressed up as though he's Samoa and he's taking a mugshot. From here, he gets absolutely just obliterated by social media. Ziggler's taken off TV for about six weeks. He's reprimanded. He's given a $50,000 legitimate fine because of this hateful just act. Okay, Ziggler's taken off TV. Twitter freaks out. This segment where Ziggler's you know, acting Samoan and you know, trying to be a gangster from Samoa, it, it goes over awfully, Kevin. It really does. Yeah, this is just terrible. You know, Ziggler, he gets suspended for 30 days from WWE TV. And then he comes back and he's, you know, he's the, the Usos and, and Ziggler and Rude are still having great matches almost every week. And they're having one-on-one matches. And then one day we get Ziggler on Talking Smack. He's doing like a, a Miz, 2016 Miz Talking Smack promo where he's just, he's red in the face. He's screaming at Caleb Braxton at the top of his lungs about how Bobby Lashley doesn't deserve to be WWE champion. And how Ziggler's worked his ass off for 12 plus years. He was a member of the Spirit Squad. And then people start freaking out about long-term storytelling because he mentioned all the Spirit Squad guys in his promo. Talks and he says that Lashley's only WWE champion because Brock didn't want to work Mondays. And, and, and he implies that Lashley's not a good champion. So then people call Ziggler racist. He gets canceled again. And it's just, you know, it's just bad luck for Ziggler in 2021. Oh, God. And then, yeah, now we move into 
a part of this, which is, I mean, right in your wheelhouse, the Randy Orton and Matt Riddle rated RK Bro stuff. Now, for this one, ugh, Matt Riddle makes it his mission to make Randy high again. Okay, Matt Riddle has a T-shirt that says this. He, like, this goes viral for all the wrong reasons. They're showing clips. Yeah, let, let, me, let, let, let me give a little context for this one. So, like, yep. like sometime around SummerSlam on an episode of Raw, they like, ran, like WWE starts telling the story about how Randy Orton is like a changed man. You start seeing a different, more lovable, down to earth, realistic side of Randy Orton. He's cutting promos talking about how he's been sober for like ten plus years after he overdosed and. He regrets the things he did backstage and all the urban legends about him. And, you know, he just wishes that he was a better man. And like from this day forward, he's going to be a better man. And then, yeah, that's when we get Riddle, you know, <laughs> Riddle comes in and is like, you know, bro, we got to get stoned, bro. And stuff like Make that. Make Randy high again, bro. Make Randy high again. So from here we see clips of Randy Orton. This, these clips surface. Mount Riddle somehow has found the video archives of some of this stuff. We see clips from 2005 with Randy Orton making people feel horribly uncomfortable backstage. I won't describe some of these things, but we see these uncomfortable clips. Finally, Kevin, at SummerSlam, the whole angle for the night, outside of the Cardi B thing, which breaks the internet, outside of that, we have a whole angle where we get Randy Orton high, Kevin. Walk us through this. <laughs> yeah, we get like like if you've seen that '70s show, you know what I'm talking about. We get like like Riddle and Orton. They're like playing dominoes or cards or something, and then they're smoking in the background and they're giggling. Matt Riddle's like, "Hey, bro, you want to go get some Taco Bell, bro?" And then it's like to be continued. So then on Raw the next night, we see like we pick up with Orton and and Matt Riddle. They they arrive at a Taco Bell. They're driving. And then, like, everything's going fine. They get their food. And then all of a sudden, like, they're eating. Orton just gets up from the table and just, he walks to the cash to the cash register. He starts talking to the cashier. And I guess Orton doesn't like the cashier's tone, so he just starts beating the life out of this cashier. And meanwhile, Riddle's so stoned, he's just staring at a picture of Vince Russo, for whatever reason, like, on his phone, just being like, bro, I want to have a bro-off with Vince Russo, bro. And then, you know, everyone freaks out. You got JD screaming, oh, my God, you better not bring Vince Russo back. But that's either here nor there. So, yeah, so Randy Orton's beating up this poor 24-year-old Taco Bell cashier who's just trying to make side money while he's in college. Randy Orton's beating him up, like, throwing him into the hot cheese. You know, we get this just, like, just vile segment with Randy Orton. And then, yeah, you take it from here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, so from here, Randy Orton gets reprimanded after this just despicable, just beat down at SummerSlam of some 24-year-old cashier who's just trying to make some money. Randy Orton then shows up to Raw the next night, and we have the Raw general manager, who is one Stephanie McMahon. Raw general manager Steph is screaming at Randy Orton. Like, the show opens with Stephanie McMahon just barking at Randy Orton, like, berating him. She's, like, slapping him over and over again. Randy Orton then smiles, because he's, you know, hardly has a clue where he is, and then he's, he walks away harmlessly. Okay, Randy Orton, he closes Stephanie McMahon's GM office door, and then Randy Orton turns and sees Riddle, and Riddle goes, Hey, bro. I like bags, bro. And the segment ends. So do with that what you will. That's how we open the Raw after SummerSlam. It's, it's all going on now, WWE, pal. Oh, yeah. Then, you know, we get, in a couple of weeks, you get Randy Orton and Riddle. They go to, they go to the mall. They're hanging out. They're going. They're bonding. They're buying some clothes. You know, they're they're checking out the new the newest Jordan sneaker releases, and then they they decide to go have some lunch. 
at a Chinese restaurant in the mall. And, you know, they're walking by and some guy offering samples goes up to Orton and, and, and Riddle and Riddle like starts eating all the samples and Orton's just like like screaming at this waiter for bothering him. He hates to be bothered. He starts yelling at him, no, I won't take a picture with you. Then all of a sudden he just beats up the, the, the waiter. He punt kicks him. He RKO's him. You know, he just he leaves, lays this waiter to, wa- to waste. And then Riddle's like, Randy, bro, why are you mad, bro? And then Orton gets canceled for being racist, for beating up a Chinese man at a Chinese restaurant for no reason. Now, people try to claim it that Orton did this because he believes in the, in the whole COVID situation in China. He becomes politically tied. Orton just gets canceled on Twitter. You have John Cena cutting a shoot video on Randy Orton. Like Cena's like, yeah, th- this is why I was I, I took your spot, Randy. You showed us yet again, Randy. <laughs> it's just... It's great. You got Cena chiming in, talking about how much he loves Taiwan, and he's cutting this promo in Mandarin. It's just so ridiculous. And then you, um, you and AJ Styles tweeting a picture of him standing in front of the Taiwan flag, and this this the whole this becomes the most politically charged just wrestling moment ever. And you've got literally in the background, you got a picture of like Akira Tozawa as like a restaurant extra looking all sad, and someone sees this and tweets like, "This is what WWE does to their." you know, different race employees. And then it becomes like this whole thing of cancel WWE. Vince McMahon's the devil. Cancel him. Cancel him now. Get him over with. Like, it becomes a huge deal, Kevin. So, yeah, coming out of that, I mean, my God, the cancellation, the political saga happens with COVID, Randy Orton and China. All this thing goes on through the fall. And then we get to Survivor Series time, Kevin. What happens here? Yeah, so so we, we finally get like a little bit of insight as to what's going on. So the Fiend and Randy Orton start feuding again. And this like this like comes about because Orton's in the back and he sees Bray Wyatt's Bray Bray doll. <laughs> and and it, and it, like Bray Wyatt previously Bray Wyatt in a segment reveals that he's been possessing Orton. So that segment where Orton beats up the guy at Taco Bell that's because Bray Wyatt is he has like mind powers and and can take over people's brains, and he starts possessing Orton to do crazy evil things to try to tarnish Orton's legacy for whatever reason. So after Orton finds this out, he sees Bray Wyatt's doll, he pisses on the doll, and then we get a Firefly Funhouse segment the next week where a 285-pound, 34-year-old middle-aged man is crying over his doll being pissed on. <laughs> and then, you know, you have, like, like you have uh, Bray Wyatt reveals this brand-new Bray Bray doll, and he and Alexa Bliss are in the fun house because, you know, the Lord only knows this is still going on. And the Bray Bray doll and the Lily doll, they're going on play dates. They're going for ice cream. And then, like, there's a play date one time where, like, Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, and the dolls are on, like, a, a, a double date. And they're, like, yep. you yep. know, Randy Orton just shows up out of nowhere and starts beating them up. And then, like, Bray Wyatt possesses Orton, <laughs> you know, just makes Orton stop. He, like, makes Orton go buy them all ice cream. Oh my god! And there's this one segment in like January, like early 2022. We see Randy Orton just in his house. They're trying to make this like 2009 with the Triple H thing all over again. Orton's in his house, and there's like he hears like fiends laughing, and like Orton just like he, he freaks out. Orton grabs a knife, and this is like the modern day Pillman with a gun. Like literally, Orton grabs a knife, and then <laughs> Kevin Dunn cuts the feed mid episode. This is like the third time this has happened in like a few months. Kevin Dunn literally cuts the feed mid episode of Raw. This absolutely breaks social media. Orton with a knife. Okay, th- this is one of the most edgy moments in wrestling history. 
mean, this, this is must see TV. Like, imagine Randy Orton. You, you cut, they cut to, like Randy Orton's house. He's playing like Xbox, playing like WWE 2K20 with his kids, and then all of a sudden the Fiend's music starts going off, and Randy Orton's just like he's got like headaches, his veins are popping out. He's doing anything to try to make this stop. He's like, I'm gonna get this damn Fiend. And he pulls out just like this butcher knife, starts running around his house. Like, yeah, that'd be must see. <laughs> and then legit the next week we open Raw with the entire WB roster standing on the stage. You have Vince McMahon in the ring, who at this point is like 77. He looks so frail. Vince is like crying, saying he's, he's apologizing to the sponsors, saying that what Randy Orton did was just disgraceful. It was out of character. It was revolting. Then that same night, they show a segment of a WWE Live autograph signing, which happens to just randomly be Muskoka, Ontario, Canada, with Randy Orton taking pictures signing autographs, typical autograph signing, what have you. Then the Bray Bray doll just possesses Randy Orton. So we get Randy Orton out of nowhere, RKOing some little kid's father, and then Randy Orton punts this kid's father, okay? <laughs> and this segment, people freak out. Like, Randy Orton's just like, you know, his veins are popping out of his neck, his face is blood red. He's, like, naked just about. He's, like, screaming at some random kid's dad. And then this <laughs> random kid's dad turns out to be some performance center trainee, and... It just so happens that in 10 years' time, Kevin, when Randy Orton's like 53 years old, this random performance center trainee who he beat up in autograph signing in Muskoka happens to beat him in a payback pay-per-view and win the WWE title in 10 years' time. And the IWC freaks out, saying long-term storytelling is the best thing they've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Jesus. All right, so here we get... More voodoo segments, you know, we see, like, segments of Bray and Alexa Bliss. They're, like, they have a, a doll, like, a, a Randy Orton voodoo doll, and they're, like, you know, they're, they're slicing it with, a, with an axe. They're throwing darts at it, like, ripping out limbs, and they're just laughing. And, like, this is what we see in the go-home Raw for WrestleMania Royal Rumble 2022. And if we get a, guess what, another Randy Orton versus The Fiend match. So, <laughs> we get Orton and The Fiend. They're having a nine-minute work rate classic you know, this is some of the best work rate Bray Wyatt's ever had. Randy Orton is on the verge of beating him when Bray Wyatt takes control of Randy Orton's mind and he makes Orton grab a microphone and, and Orton starts cutting a promo. He just he admits to taking a dump in a girl's in a girl's bag backstage. He admits to all the terrible things he did, like shaking Ryder's hands after putting his hand down his pants. He admits to Bob Orton, his father, giving Mark Calloway an STD. He just you know, he does all this, and then, like, somehow he just snaps out of it. He hits Bray Wyatt with a, with a DDT from the second rope, and Michael Cole screams, Vintage Orton. And then Orton just pins Bray, and then he loses all his power, and WWE forgets the angle ever existed the next night on Raw. Oh, my God. We get the freak out. We get the classic freak out where all, all the, the, reviewer, the reviewers and people on Facebook like, all these old heads that Bray Wyatt's, like, the only thing that keeps them watching wrestling are screaming about how The Fiend is being buried. We get The, the Fiend being buried part 100. <laughs> right. And, yeah, meanwhile, yeah, it's, it's WrestleMania Royal Rumble season 2022. We had Daniel Bryan returning after a six-month stint in PWG where he was being dropped on his neck and nearly died Jesus. and got paralyzed several times. Jesus. Daniel Bryan returned to WWE. <laughs> and Daniel Bryan cuts a promo saying, I have my passion back. My ambition score is no longer the lowest ever. I'm not leaving this ring here. I'm not leaving it over there. <laughs> I'm not leaving this ring anywhere. And at WrestleMania Royal Rumble, I will win the Royal Rumble match. 
So Daniel Bryan declares his entry. Wrestling Twitter freaks out, saying that this is the year Bryan needs to win the Rumble. This is the year. It's the fourth time we've had Daniel Bryan needs to win the Rumble talk at Rumble season. It's just, it's going absolutely crazy. But first, first, Kevin, we have to address a sudden Charlotte Flair, don't we? Yes, yes. So Charlotte Flair enters into a feud with Riddle because, you know, after Bray Wyatt possesses Orton to beat up like kids and fathers at autograph signings, uh, Riddle decides that it's best to break off RK Bro. So Riddle's United States champion. This is sometime at the end of 2021, like November, December. We'll say Survivor Series, you know, we'll say, we'll yeah. say, um, Charlotte and Riddle have a match. But it, the build up to this match, we see Riddle, he creates, um, a new toy. He creates Brodoms. And for what, yeah. for many of you that are wondering what Brodoms are, that is Riddle's own version of condoms. And we see Riddle walking around backstage. He's going up to chicks. He's going up to like Mandy Rose. He's going up to Sony Deville. And he's like, "Hey, Sonya, bro. When I when I beat Charlotte at Survivor Series, bro, we can celebrate with my Brodoms, bro." And Sonya Deville just she goes off. She's offended, saying like how she how how she's she's not straight. She doesn't like men, and she just she's infuriated that Riddle would dare hit on her and catcall her. And the cancellation of Riddle begins part 25 of Riddle being canceled. We get Sonya Deville out of character. Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose out of character cutting shoot promos on Twitter and Instagram where they're screaming about how, how WWE is misogynistic and, and Vince McMahon is, they hate Vince McMahon for allowing this segment to take place and, you know, forcing Sonya Deville to do this. And, you know, we get, get Riddle out there with donuts, bro. That, that, that's how they follow this up. Riddle goes back to walking around with bro nuts. He's like going around to Xavier Woods in the New Day, offering bro nuts. We see Riddle in the hospital visiting Big E with his neck brace, and he's like, "Big E, bro, I brought you some bro nuts, bro." And then he's like, "I brought you something else, bro, but we can't show this on camera, bro." So, so he and Big E they get high, blah blah blah, whatever. So then Charlotte Flair becomes U.S. champion. So that's great. And Charlotte Flair has the United States Championship for, like, two months. She does, like, the United States Open Challenge. We get the Charlotte Flair Open Challenge where she's calling out men. And, like, like NXT NXT and indie jobbers answer this Open Challenge. They're basically ripping off Cody Rose TNT Open Challenge. You got, like, War Horse coming out there answering this challenge on an episode of Raw, like, an hour and a half into the show. You know, and then, and then uh, Riddle wins back his title. <laughs> Riddle wins back his title, and then yeah, we get we get a live celebration, bro. Like after Riddle wins it back at the Royal Rumble, we get a live celebration the next night on Raw. We see Riddle in backstage. He's got his Brodoms, and he's like walking around trying to find another girl to give his Brodoms to. And then he ends up just eating donuts backstage because all, all the girls all the girls turn him down. God, and yeah, this is one segment you didn't mention during this. Big Charlotte and Riddle storyline. They do a contract signing for the U.S. title match at Tables, Ladders, Chairs, and Stairs 2021. They do the contract signing, and the contract signing is hosted by Jesse the Body Ventura. <laughs> and so, literally, Jesse Ventura, he goes off mid-promo. Like, you got Matt Riddle talking about God knows what, talking about Brodoms, and then Jesse the Body's like, My government has lied to me before, haven't they? Aliens invaded Area 51. And then literally, once again, Kevin Dunn cuts the feed mid-show. Jesse Ventura is going on about conspiracy theories, 9-11 conspiracies. Charlotte Flair is like sobbing in the rings. This brings back awful memories of God knows what. She, she rushes off crying with the US title. Riddle's just, you know, 
trying to advertise his brodoms. Like, this is one of the biggest just train wrecks in wrestling history. So, that's that, Kevin. Then, I guess we can move on to the Royal Rumble now, can't we, pal? Oh, yeah. We got Charlotte Flair announcing her entry into the Men's Royal Rumble because she wants to challenge Becky Lynch for the Universal title. Um, You know, everyone thinks Daniel Bryan is going to win the Rumble because Daniel Bryan came back and cut and cut the I am entering myself into the Rumble promo part 25 that you went over. So the internet thinks Bryan's winning the Rumble, but they'll settle for like Nakamura or Cesaro winning the Rumble because they're great workers. They'll settle for that, of course. So you know who the dog horse is? The dog horse is uh, Martin Luther Ziegler, who has spent the last six months in this race, you know, tied storyline and race-driven controversy with Lashley and all this kind of stuff. Dolph Ziggler's the dark horse for the Rumble, no pun intended. And then, my God, we get to the Rumble, Kevin. This thing, it's chaos. You've got Ali coming out there and getting eliminated within one and a half seconds, breaking the all-time record for the fastest Rumble entry. We've got all... This is just an absolute fiasco. Vince McMahon... Yeah, Char- so Char- get- Charlotte Flair kicks Ali in the chest and he goes flying over the top rope. Yeah, and then literally you have hashtag Ali does better goes viral after about seven guys from Wrestle Talk spam the hashtag on Twitter. Like it's absolutely going ham. Then after everyone enters, we get entry number thirty. Now the the countdown clock goes down ten nine eight seven six five four three two one. We set the table for this one. So there's all yep. this hype. You know, you have like Sean Ross Sapp and Dave Meltzer reporting that WWE was in talks to bring back like a big Kenny star. Omega. They're gonna bring in Kenny Omega. Yeah, yeah, they're going to bring in, like, Kenny Omega. It's going to be John Cena. It's going to be CM Punk. It's going to be so-and-so. And then, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, all this hype's, you know, going. people are saying, oh, my God, Becky Lynch has been dissing, Seth, um, dissing Kenny Omega for months. They're going to have Kenny Omega come in number 30, win the Rumble, and face Becky for the title in the main event of Mania 38. That's what everyone's thinking is going to happen. And then we get the 29 entrance of the Rumble. You've got Daniel Bryan in there. He's been there for an hour. You've got... Dolph Ziggler's there. You got Charlotte Flair has a record of fifteen eliminations in this Rumble. Charlotte is on a, a warpath, <laughs> and then the countdown clock hits for number thirty. It hits one, and then we hear "No Chance in Hell," and people are like, oh, "What?" Vince, and then Vince is coming out there strutting. He's in his wrestling gear. You just see, you know, he, he looks like he's about eighty-five years of age. He just looks abnormal considering how much how muscular he is for being seventy-seven. And then he says, "Oh, damn it, a number thirty is my son Shane and Shane comes out there you know doing his like money dance and he, he you know jumps skips down to the ring Shane McMahon proceeds to eliminate Charlotte Flair with ease and this creates this big controversy oh my god Charlotte eliminated all my favorite indie guys and Shane eliminated her like she was nothing but I'm so offended and it becomes this big scandal literally Kevin I mean he eliminates Ziggler. Oh, yeah, anyways, Brian, like Kevin, Shane McMahon is the Rumble God, pal. Yeah, so Shane McMahon, it, it comes out of Shane and Daniel Bryan as the final two, and everybody's freaking out, like, oh my God, yeah, Shane McMahon's going to put over Daniel Bryan. Finally, Daniel Bryan wins the Royal Rumble. We get what we want. Oh my God. And, and, and everyone's just like, they're, they're, you know, you got the pictures of Daniel Bryan with the WWE title going viral on the internet. And, like, as Shane and, and Daniel Bryan, they're having this epic standoff. And then Shane McMahon, like Kevin Nash style, he they, they do like like he fakes like a finger poke of doom type thing where he's like he tells Daniel he tells Brian go ahead throw me over the top I'll let you have your moment you know I I made sure that you would triumphant because you're my friend Daniel, and then Daniel Bryan like he thinks you know Shane's gonna let him throw him over the top Daniel Bryan goes to eliminate Shane and Shane double crosses him and just sidesteps him and flings Brian out the way and 
Yeah, Shane McMahon wins the Royal Rumble. We celebrate with people throwing like hot dog wrappers and soda cups at at Shane. That's how that's how the show goes off the air. Vince and Shane are crying and hugging each other. You got Stephanie McMahon out there. It's this big family celebration. Vince McMahon yep. just screwed everyone, thinking that Daniel Bryan was finally gonna win. Yeah, you got videos surfacing on Twitter of like Daniel Bryan fans like burning down the houses and breaking things and causing like civil unrest in their towns just because Daniel Bryan got eliminated in a fake match. So literally, this is just an absolute chaos. There's a riot outside the Royal Rumble, like outside the building. Like, you know, you have these just psychopaths hunting down Shane McMahon's car and trying to just destroy his vehicle so he can't get home. Like, it's just this big scandal. Shane McMahon wins the Rumble. Bryan fans are literally wanting to murder him for real. It's It's a huge debacle. Then, okay, then we see a Twitter video leak Okay, a Twitter video leaks, as is the case with a lot of this. And the video has Drew McIntyre. Okay, there's a video of Drew McIntyre at a nightclub without a, a mask. Um, Drew McIntyre is not socially distancing. And Drew gets just totally cancelled. Drew McIntyre becomes the biggest heel overnight because this video of him in a nightclub in Glasgow surfaces. And he didn't have a mask on. And he wasn't socially distancing, Kevin. This is bigger than Ben-Ho. This is the biggest scandal in wrestling since the last biggest scandal in wrestling. Where yeah. does Drew go from here? Yeah, now? this is like, yeah, this is an incredible scandal. You see, because keep in mind, McIntyre's been gone because he got injured in a match with Miz and Morrison way back when. So he's been gone for like, what, six, seven months off of TV. He finally comes back after this. He comes back as a nuclear heel. He's coming back. Of course, there's full crowds in the audience. And, you know, of course, everyone's safe and socially distanced in the crowd wearing their mask. And Drew McIntyre is shaming people for wearing masks. He's coming out there like, yeah, you see, I don't believe in the pandemic. I had COVID and I survived it. Look at this, blah, blah, blah. And he announces that he's going to challenge Becky Lynch for the universal title at Fastlane. And that's our big program leading into WrestleMania season is the Drew McIntyre versus Becky Lynch feud. Yeah, this is a big one. But in the meantime, until we get to that, Kevin, there's a big angle on SmackDown because, I mean, this is WrestleMania season. All the stars are coming out. Even Vince McMahon reaches into the checkbook and after the Cardi B fiasco, Vince McMahon goes, now let's try let's try a different celebrity. So WWE proceed to get Jake Paul going on to SmackDown. Okay, this is a big deal. It really is. And then, I mean, you take this from here. Yeah, so, so Jake Paul, he's promoting his boxing fight with UFC god Jorge Masvidal. Jake Paul comes out. <laughs> Jake Paul comes out. He's, he's cutting this promo on, on Jorge Masvidal. And, you know, Masvidal, of course, isn't there. But Jake Paul's cutting this promo. And he's calling Masvidal a pussy and all this. He calls him a pussy multiple times. He's like, yeah, Masvidal, you suck. I'm better than you at boxing. Blah blah blah. They're, they're like WWE. They're, they're forgetting to bleep out. Like they just can't bleep out him saying the p word multiple times. So then you know we get we get this segment. You know like everyone thinks Jorge Masvidal's not there, but Jorge Masvidal runs out. He gets in Jake Paul's face. They're both cursing at each other. Just every every expletive under the sun you could possibly name. They're saying we got we get we cut backstage to Vince screaming at Triple H and Stephanie. Like, how dare they bring in Jake Paul, blah, blah, blah. And then we get Bray Wyatt is here, the Fiend. He makes his triumphant return to WWE television, and he just starts beating up Jake Paul for no reason. Just beating up Jake Paul. Jake Paul's scared. Jake Paul's running into the crowd. Bray Wyatt's chasing him. 
It's just it's this huge fiasco. We get Jake Paul and, and the Fiend at WrestleMania after this. Yeah, and then we legit get these shoot videos of Jake Paul calling wrestling fake on his Twitter, <laughs> saying that he just you know he hates WWE. Vince McMahon can go kill himself. Like Jake Paul is just going <laughs> off on Twitter. It's just yeah, we get we get this Firefly Funhouse at WrestleMania. Jake Paul and the Fiend. Where like like we see Bray Wyatt going through Jake Paul's life. We see clips of Jake Paul partying like two months into the pandemic in 2020, like having like like ten thousand people, like not ten thousand, like a thousand people at a house party with no mask on, nothing like that, and like get clips of Jake Paul on, on live to like on talk shows, call it COVID a hoax, blah blah blah. It's just oh my yeah. god. Yeah, we see legit like Jake Paul in the locker room after Logan Paul's just lost to KSI at the Staples Center. We see Jake Paul like crying. And then this, then we see Jake Paul like present day getting so angry. He's trying to punch the Bray Bray doll. And Twitter surfaces of, you know, videos go viral of Jake Paul trying to punch a little Bray Bray doll. And this <laughs> just ends Jake Paul's career. Masvidal laughs off the fight. The fight never goes ahead. It's just this big, just ordeal at WrestleMania. But Kevin. We're getting sidetracked from the main storyline here. The main storyline here is Drew McIntyre challenging Becky Lynch for the Universal Championship at Fastlane 2022. I'm oh, sorry, WrestleMania Fastlane 2022. Kevin, walk us through this match. So basically how this match plays out, you've seen Brock Lesnar versus John Cena from SummerSlam 2014. Well, Drew McIntyre and Becky Lynch, they look at that match and they say, hold my beer. And Drew McIntyre, the bell rings, and he just, he right off the bat, hits a Claymore kick on Becky. He's like yelling just misogynistic things at her, like oh, like screaming like oh, women can't be champion. This is a man's sport. Like in the middle of the match, he's screaming at her, and uh, and then like like after the first claymore kick, Becky's clearly down and out. McIntyre goes to pin her. The ref counts to two. He lifts Becky's shoulder up, and then he just like he picks her up. He does another claymore kick. Is screaming more misogyny at her. The crowd is just booing, booing. McIntyre picks her up again. Another claymore kick. He brings out a chair. He does the concerto. And then he, he picks her up again for a fourth Claymore kick. And then he pins her one, two, three. And yeah, <laughs> now we got McIntyre as your universal champion. And it's safe to say McIntyre is the hottest heel that wrestling has seen in a long, long time. Yep, TMZ runs with this. They call this a darker moment for wrestling than the Benoit tragedy that becomes this huge deal. This is just Drew McIntyre is the worst person on earth. People saying that, you know, WB went way too far with this. Everyone hates McIntyre, but, you know, the, the, this is the wrong kind of hate. Drew should not have been doing this. People getting genuinely triggered. Then the SmackDown after Fastlane, this show draws about four four to five, maybe six million viewers because of what's happened, because of TMZ, because of all his mainstream coverage. Drew comes out to open the show. He cuts an off-script shoot promo about how, <laughs> about how women aren't meant to be world champion in a wrestling company. And how Becky Lynch, quote, looks like a man. This is what Drew says. So from here, Becky stands, proceed to riot. We get Becky Lynch stands doxing Drew McIntyre's house. We get some Becky Lynch stand literally burning down Drew McIntyre's house for real. <laughs> like, this is just one of the most personal storylines in wrestling history, Kevin. My God. Yeah, this, I mean, it's incredible. Like, Drew McIntyre's cutting this long-winded, like, pipe bomb-like promo. He's talking about how, like, how he couldn't believe... He was disgusted when Mick Foley cucked out for Becky Lynch on live TV. It, it just it made him sick to his stomach that a woman was a was a man's champion, a universal champion, and he starts getting political and just making all these statements about women. And it's like, yeah, it's just ugly. 
then the, the WWE eventually they cut the they cut the live mic, and Drew McIntyre is just like, "Oh, you're trying to silence me, man!" And all this, it's just it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. So then the next week on SmackDown, we get Shane McMahon is in the ring with Stephanie and Triple H. Shane talks about just how disgusted he was by Drew's words from last week. And, you know, Shane is, like, going all in, uh, just counting Stephanie's praises about the women's evolution. Stephanie's screaming about Drew McIntyre. You got Triple H being like, I love women, uh, especially one that look like men, uh, and Australians, uh. Then, you know, Triple H is cutting a promo. Like, he goes off, like, off the plan. It's just, like, a random promo. He's just talking about how the Iconics got released. He's gone on a tangent. Stephanie McMahon screams at him to, to stop talking and, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Then we get Drew McIntyre comes out. He's He just, he confronts the McMahon family. And McIntyre is like, well, if you don't like it, then fire me. And Stephanie McMahon goes to fire, like, starts to fire him. And Drew McIntyre just open hand slaps Stephanie McMahon in the middle of the <laughs> ring. And, and like, and. And Shane and Triple H are like chasing after McIntyre. McIntyre escapes. He runs through the crowd. <laughs> then some Becky Lynch fan runs up behind, like King hits through McIntyre, and Drew just turns around, throws him fifteen feet. It's the most personal, real life storyline wrestling's ever seen. It's the most politically tied storyline. Drew's just he, he goes from one level of stardom to another. You've got mainstream organizations are covering this, saying that you know wrestling has gone to the dark side. This, this is not what wrestling should be this being said by people who don't even watch like it's this big scandal oh then after that triple h promo you mentioned where he was ranting about like the iconics and hashtag billy k deserves better you know, got became trending on twitter and after all of that kevin the next week when drew mcintyre is the biggest thing in wrestling he's the biggest superstar we get raw opening with drew mcintyre arriving to the arena he walks through the locker room he knocks over like five security guards then he goes to the women's locker room Okay, Drew McIntyre goes to the women's locker room. He opens up the door and he's throwing eggs just at random <laughs> women in the locker room. Okay, the, Twitter's <laughs> erupting. Drew picks up an egg. He shows it to the camera. It has $1 on the egg. And then Drew sees Natalia and throws the $1 egg at Natalia. Okay, this is some great long-term storytelling to ever be on Fox's uh, poll um, and thing a year ago. This... Kevin, this is some magical long-term storytelling. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then and then Drew McIntyre, he's walking around. He goes into the, you know, he's going into, like, the other locker, the men's locker room. And he's, like, he's got, I don't know, he, like, carrying cross gets in Drew McIntyre's face. Like, oh, that's not cool, bro, the way you're acting. You know, blah, blah, blah. And carrying cross tries to stop McIntyre. McIntyre just, like, you know, he, he he's, like, you don't want to mess with me, mate. And he starts beating up cross, throwing him into the locker, just embarrassing him in front of everybody. Then, like, security comes in to try to separate this. McIntyre beats up the security guards. McIntyre starts running into... He runs into the McMahon office, and he sees Vince. He and Vince have a face-to-face. McIntyre throws the universal title at Vince's head. Vince's duck, <laughs> Vince ducks. Vince charges at McIntyre. McIntyre shoot-punches Vince McMahon in the jaw, knocks out Vince McMahon. Triple H comes in, gets his hands on McIntyre, throws him to the ground... Like our truth style, we get McIntyre gets arrested. A bunch of cops come in. We got Triple H is beating up Drew McIntyre while cops are arresting Drew McIntyre. And again, long term storytelling there, John. And yeah, the, the show, uh, the Raw goes off the air with McIntyre getting thrown into a cop car. You got just dozens of cops out there. 
McIntyre is being arrested. Stephanie McMahon is screaming. Stephanie McMahon has a black eye from that slap from last week from McIntyre. She's screaming at him saying, this is what you deserve. You're never going to be in my ring again. And yeah, it's just like, this is good Legit. TV right here that we're writing. This, raw, this show, this guy's absolutely viral. By this point, there's like 7 million people watching each week to see what, what's going to happen next. The McMahon family, Drew McIntyre, what horrible incident's going to happen next. That SmackDown the, the, that following week, we see Drew McIntyre throughout the show in a jail cell, and Drew's interacting with prison inmates, and it's some great TV. <laughs> then the next week's Raw, Kevin, this one, my God, Drew McIntyre shows up to the arena. He's carrying a trash bag, okay? Drew McIntyre, fresh off the news that Tamina Snooker has been released from WWE in WWE's latest cleanouts, Drew McIntyre shows up. He sits in the middle of the ring and says, Tamina, this one's for you. And he puts the trash bag down and just walks off. And this <laughs> proceeds to break Twitter once again. The woke Twitter is freaking out. You've got Samoan Twitter freaking out. Everyone's losing it. Drew McIntyre is the most hated man on like alive just about. It's, he's more hated than the Velveteen Dream. He's just despised. It is amazing television what he's doing. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. So then the next week, Stephanie McMahon forces Drew to go to, to therapy and address his actions. So, so he's like... He's in the human resources department in WWE's corporate office, like speaking to different doctors and they're trying to figure out why he's acting the way he is. <laughs> and he's just like screaming at the at the doctors, just like I don't I don't want to be here. He's talking about how he has to prepare for his headlining his WrestleMania headlining match with Shane McMahon. Like that that's the WrestleMania thirty eight, the big headline is Shane McMahon versus Drew McIntyre. And he's going on about how he has to prepare for this match, he doesn't have time to be in anger management. He starts going off the cuff and he starts saying, oh, they, like he starts talking to the therapist, like, like, don't you know this is wrestling? This is this is fake. I'm playing a character. And then everyone cancels Drew McIntyre again for outing wrestling on live TV. <laughs> McIntyre is like, like, yeah, I'm just being a character. Like, like, what? why am I here? I'm doing my job. That's what I get paid to do. I'm acting. My name's not Drew McIntyre. And then the HR person is like baffled. They're like, like, they think he's crazy. And you got people on, on the internet freaking out. Drew McIntyre yeah. just ruined wrestling for good. Yeah. And then during that week, on like Wednesday, this is like the second final or the penultimate week before WrestleMania, that Wednesday, a diss track comes out called F Vince McMahon, written by Drew McIntyre and Jake Paul. Okay, this thing, <laughs> they're just abusing Vince. They're calling Vince every bad word under the sun. This goes viral. You've got... Like Rick Ross featuring in this diss track. It's this huge deal. <laughs> you got a McIntyre and Jake Paul diss track. Masvidal proceeds to just bury this thing on Twitter. Wrestling is more relevant than it's ever been, Kevin. And then we move into the final Raw before WrestleMania. Yeah, here we go. The go-home show, if you will, there, John. We get, you know, Shane McMahon's coming out, cutting a basic babyface promo. Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stop the evil McIntyre. I'm going to stand up for my family. He punched my sister. He punched my dad. He he beat up my brother-in-law, Triple H. Shane, he's being good guy Shane. Superhero, our hero Shane McMahon is going to put an end to the evil Scotsman Drew McIntyre's reign. And Shane goes on like a five-minute tirade about how Drew McIntyre disrespected the business by calling himself a character and admitting that, that wrestling's fake on live TV. And he's just, you know, Shane is going in on McIntyre. And then Drew comes out and he just, he comes out with like, I don't even know. He's Jake Paul. They, they, they come out and they're set to perform the Vince McMahon diss track in front of Shane McMahon. You've got literally the whole, you got Rick Ross out there. They're ready to perform. 
Then in the ring, you have Stephanie McMahon screaming, trying to silence this by just screaming over the top of it. Triple H is holding her back. The McMahon family's in the ring. Vince is there pissed. Vince, oh, damn it, damn it. Like Vince is going off. And you got Drew McIntyre with Jake Paul. They start performing the diss track. Then we have literally the McMahon family rushing at Jake Paul and Drew McIntyre and Kevin. The, the go-home roar before WrestleMania 38 ends with literally the whole locker room out there trying to separate this. The biggest brawl in wrestling history. You've got Vince McMahon <laughs> punching employees. You've got Drew McIntyre beating up human resources staff members. Just a, an absolutely incredible scene to close Raw. Yeah, and then and then on SmackDown there, John, we get like the final, the go-home show. This is it. This is the end-all, be-all for WrestleMania 38 for SmackDown. Shane McMahon again is addressing the situation. This time it's just Shane. He's like, oh, it's just going to be me. I don't, I'm not hiding behind my family. He calls on McIntyre man-to-man. Look, we're going to have a confrontation, and, you know, this might end badly. Whatever. He calls out McIntyre. McIntyre comes out. He comes out New Jack style. He's got, like, a toaster. He's got just all this stuff. And, and he starts beating up Shane McMahon, hitting him with kendo sticks. He staples his forehead. Starts running a cheese grater across Shane's face. Shane is just being beaten into a bloody pulp by ECW Drew McIntyre. Shane is bleeding all over the place. It's just, like, it's just sad to watch. Like, people feel genuinely bad for Shane. They want to see McIntyre just get his ass kicked. And then you get Vince coming out. Vince, like, is screaming. Stephanie McMahon is screaming. Triple H is holding Stephanie back. Vince is running out to the ring. He pushes uh, Drew off of Shane. He's, like, he's covering Shane. He's, like, hit me instead. Vince is crying. Shane is bleeding. Stephanie and Triple H are crying. This whole big scene. McIntyre looks like the evil character in a movie. It's just, it's insane. And this is how we we go into WrestleMania. And then the question becomes, in the next 48 hours... Is Shane going to be in in fit condition? We get medical updates on Shane. And then, yeah, we get to WrestleMania 38 there, pal. Yeah, we get to WrestleMania. And after the events of that, that awful, shocking beatdown, it's deemed on WrestleMania night that Shane McMahon is not fit to compete. So Drew McIntyre comes out in the middle of the ring. He's literally, he, he says something misogynistic to the ring announcer. Then he says, just give, give, him, a, give him a championship. Give him a title belt. So Drew's just demanding it's given the title. And then the McMahon family walks out there. Shane, he's just, he's all destroyed. Stephanie's emotional. Triple H is like grinning. You got Vince McMahon pissed. Triple H says, Drew McIntyre, always have a plan B. And out comes Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross comes down, and we get an epic main event between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how the show goes off the air. That's just what we wanted. Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross, And yeah, McIntyre keeps his belt. And I guess that has been what if Roman Reigns leaves WWE in 2021. Yep. I think that's, um, yeah, a lot to digest there. Um, especially with Drew. <laughs> yeah. I mean, could, could you imagine, like, let's reflect on this for a second. Like I said it in, yeah. in the video, but like if WWE did, if they did what we put down, but like a little bit of a watered down version, that could be a very entertaining segment. Like you know, like like if they if they just had like McIntyre squash Becky Lynch and like God, I mean, come on, like he'd be a top heel, bro. Bro, like uh, just like they can just easily do this. Like wrestling's dead anyways. Like have fun with it. Like do something. Like this stuff would be, especially the second half of this video, especially some of this stuff 
if they had Drew McIntyre and Jake Paul do a diss track called F Vince McMahon, I mean, come on. Like, seriously, that'd go ham. But no, don't no, don't have fun with it. Just just have Drew fight Lashley every week for nine months. Like, honestly. Yeah, instead, instead of Jake Paul came into WWE, he would have some corny segment, some overproduced segment where he's at, like, Miz TV, and, you, and you'd have Miz making fun of him for boxing a celebrity. Yeah, and they Miz saying, oh, Jake, I don't think you can beat this random ex-MMA fighter in a boxing match. And Jake Paul's like, yeah, I can. And that's legit the segment, so... Yeah, I mean, honestly, this was this was too much fun. It really was. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, like like half the stuff we have here, at WWE, we get canceled for. Like McIntyre just dude, cancellation means activation, Kevin. They get that many eyeballs on them for some of this stuff. My God, the Drew stuff. If they did this, and if this they did this the way we did, raw ratings come WrestleMania season in March next year would be upwards of fives to eights, like millions. Like yeah. the people would tune in in droves to see what Drew would do next. Yeah, oh just, my god! <laughs> like imagine the segment where McIntyre calls wrestling fake on, on TV. That would be so funny. Oh my god! Ugh. God, I, like like I, I could just picture people being people freaking out. You know, like like you'd have people like like forty five year old men. Oh, Kevin, that- I thought of an alternate ending of how we actually should have ended this. Yeah. Instead of carrying cross, you have the McMahon family bring out Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns comes back as the all encompassing babyface. And we have Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre in the main event of 38 for the title. Yeah, I mean, we could just record that if you want, record an alternate ending. Yeah, I mean, we'll just not nah, stuff. We'll just say that's the ending. I mean, I, I mean honestly, yeah, they bring out Roman Reigns after 10 months on the sidelines, and Roman Reigns has a, a war with Drew McIntyre in the main event. There you go. Yeah, all right. I'm still recording, so I'll just, I'll just edit that in. Yep, easy. The legit, yeah. What, what an ending. What a, what a WrestleMania. What a booking. And yeah, wow, that's yeah, great. The tribal god Roman Reigns triumphs. So yeah, that's that's it for Elite Heat this week, and yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.